Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It reminded me of a time I was cycling into the wind along the canal and people were walking past me in the same direction. <laughs> like that just shouldn't be happening. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. There is a lot of ways we could start this podcast. There are so many things we can talk and we should talk about Emmy Buendia. But I think we need to jump straight in and get to the real value of Emmy Buendia. Because Emmy Buendia has now suddenly become valuable in a Tyrone Mings long ball. Emmy Buendia has fixed the Tyrone Mings long ball. Put that thing up to him, and he's going to flick it on. Now, we're going to talk about his goal. We're going to talk about his assist. We're going to talk about how easy he makes football look. But I don't know if you remember, just another typical Tyrone Mings ball that we, we've seen far too often. And he obviously is instructed to do it. We're not blaming him for it. Puts it up. Big Buendia gets up, flicks it on to Ings. And this is what eventually leads to the pressure for Aston Villa. Like Ings actually should do better. Watkins is inside. He gets blocked. He goes out for a corner. But there's... Pressure building now because Emmy Buendia is getting this thing going because you can play a ball up to the big man's head and he'll find the runners off him. Yeah, and it's I don't know what's more surprising the fact that you're advocating for long ball football from Stevie G's <laughs> tricky villains or the fact that that long ball fo- football's focal point is five foot two Emiliano Buendia. I'm saying if Ireland are playing long ball, they're not going to do it without Niall Quinn. If Aston Villa are going to do it, <laughs> they can't do it without Emiliano Buendia. But let's get straight into it. Aston Villa, second win in a row. It's now three without defeat. Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. It's, it's, uh, it's shit or bust. We said this all along. And now it's, uh, it's a bit of a good run we have going here before Tuesday night. 
and <laughs> we can jump in and talk about the first goal, I think. So three goals went in. It was a fun match to watch for the most part. And then this goal, it's, it starts off with Kanza playing it to Buendia because Buendia is always looking. And it's it's <laughs> this time it doesn't go to his head. He's dropping on that space. Kanza plays it high, but Buendia gets up and he puts his chest on it to get it out to him again, who gives it to Dougie, who gives it back to Buendia. And this is why you play a diamond, because now you've got your two number eights passing the ball to each other, and they're <laughs> passing it back to the number 10, who's gone for the long ball as well. So well, number nine is also what, he's a, he's a back to the, the wall type of striker as well as our Emmy. But, uh, but then he just he just turns around, and I, I, I said at the top of the show how easy he makes football look. I think he makes it look too easy sometimes, because... He slides that ball through the Ings and you're thinking, how, how does that happen all the time? This is a Premier League level game. Why, why is he able to just slide a striker through and put him through so easily without having to do much? It's a nice way to get his head up like he always does. It's a it's a perfect through ball in a sense. It's not one of these ones that we're going to roll back in years to come, but he just seems to do this all the time. It's like, oh, there's a space where you go, Danny. Why is it so easy for him? I have no idea. And he's just such a lovely little player. And it was you're right, there was a lovely little bit of play between the lads, McGinn to Dougie to Bandia to Ings, all one or two touch and the free ball from Bandia. Yeah, it's it's fairly rudimentary, but it's players of the quality of Bandia that don't fuck it up. Yeah. And he has played that pass a lot this year. And those type of players, players like Bandia, just make it seem so rudimentary. It's a couple of terrible touches from Danny Ings. Then I mean, he couldn't get the ball out from his feet. Yeah, but that just made the finish all the nicer because I think the ball is behind his standing foot when he when he hits it, and to connect as well as he did is great. And there he is, Conan, our wee fucking granny killer, as Johnny Giles would say. Shoulders hunched, bustling his way through, kicking his granny summer frame out of her out from under. <laughs> Yeah, well, what what did you make? We'll pause here a second, and we'll talk about the two other goals after. But like, what what did you make in general of this day? Because I did enjoy it largely. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't exactly a thriller, but that's mostly because Burnley are pretty bad. But it's it's great to see. Like we were fairly ruthless in the game. Like without yeah. playing particularly well, our front three were able to win the game for us, and that is so unusual for Aston Villa. It was almost disconcerting. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure what to do with myself afterwards. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen teams like Liverpool do this a lot, but I never thought it would be us. Like even when we're playing shite, Emmy, Danny, and Ollie will sort it out. And <laughs> like the gap from Villa down to Burnley probably isn't too far off the gap from Europe down to Villa. And it's pretty clear now as well. Like the other big caveat is that Burnley were riding a new manager bounce the last few weeks. And if it if it wasn't for Leeds, you'd be worried for them because we have to assume that Jackson's not bright. I mean, we know he hasn't inherited any level of intelligence anyway, not from parents that named their child after a deranged paedophile. And, <laughs> and, and what's worse is because his parents didn't actually know at that stage, they just they just thought it would be a bit of crack to name their son after the most famous person on the planet. What's worse is that Jackson thought shortening his name to Mike would be enough to stop plonkers like me calling his parents idiots. <laughs> but to, to, to be fair, to be fair to Gerard, he does have a fairly good, and you've touched on the touch, the, the winner buster. He does have a fairly good habit of dispatching teams that are worse than us with with relative regularity. I mean, I think we've beaten. We've beaten Brighton and Norwich twice, Palace, Everton, Southampton, Leeds, Burnley, losing to Watford and Newcastle. And was there was there Brentford loss in there as well? Like 
yeah, I think I mean, we lost to Brentford on the Jared as well. There are obvious exceptions, but they're the only defeats that look really bad on paper. But on the other side of that, I think Leicester is the only victory against the club we're trying yeah. to catch, and they're having such a bad year they're actually behind us. <laughs> and and look, maybe this is the most solid, reliable way of moving forward. Like, yeah, be better than all teams below yeah. you and keep moving forward and. Yeah, like I think it's just been going. You know, when you see Brighton having the odd good day out in the sun, like well, a few too many for my like. <laughs> they're, getting, <laughs> they're getting big results. It's like why can't we do that? We we talked about that, but like yeah, we're we're, we're probably we're, we're probably weeding out the inconsistency. If, if that sounds mad, considering these runs we go on, but at least we are consistent in the teams we're beating and the teams we're losing to. Yeah, absolutely. And once we just start turning up, getting a few more dogged draws out of the better teams than us and maybe even turn them one or two into victories that's when you start climbing up the table well a big part of Gerard's system is obviously obviously we have three out and out defensive players I would say so you have Kanza you have Mings and you have the defensive midfielder it was Callum Chambers this week I think we all got excited thinking it might have been a, a back five and I didn't even think even though it might have been calling for it weeks ago that he could slot in there and they'll play the same way that they've been working on but I thought <laughs> we were going to have a back five and uh, God knows how it was going to look but um, if you take those three that leaves seven outfield players who are supposed to go and affect the game and I think this is what the best thing was about Villa when they were when they were attacking and when they were punishing Burnley is that they were all getting involved. And in this second goal, they all got involved. It starts with Douglas Louise, led off the leash a bit more in the number eight. And he's on just, just, just to the left of centre, plays it to the right to him again, who plays it out wide to Cash. There's three for seven so far. Whips a lovely ball into Watkins. Four, gets crown the head on it, finds Danny Ings, takes his touch in the box under pressure. It comes to Luca Dina, who's come up now from the other side. There's six. And he's put it in to Emmy Buendia. Seven of your attacking players all combining, and Buendia puts it away. Yeah, football's a really simple game. Get the <laughs> ball to the byline, pull it back, smash it at Tarkovsky, goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really good ball from Cash, and it's the nice bit of play before that as well. But the ball from Cash will assume he's seen Watkins free at the back post, and it's absolutely brilliant from old Pillowhead himself. <laughs> The composure, the vision, the execution. It really, really is an immaculate header down to, to Ings. And it is good composure from Ings as well. I mean, for a centre forward in the box, he doesn't do anything stupid. He keeps working the space, doesn't head in into the forest of legs that you were whinging about last week. <laughs> and look at Dina, this is why we wanted him. Quality on the ball. And it's really good movement from Dia as well, followed by a terrible finish, but we'll forgive him for that. <laughs> but isn't it great to see us score a goal that we conceded from 60 times over the last two years? <laughs> a pullback into the second six-yard box. And of course, of course, it was two players who have played against us in the last two years that combined to score that goal. Like they've seen it from the outside, how easy it is. Yeah. Lads, have you boys not tried this? Like This actually works... <laughs> Works really well. We we did it against you last year. Have you, have you still not tried it yet? The third goal is also it's just another nice goal. Chambers and Konza are, are cutting the ball out. They're they're making a meal trying to get it under control. The one Douglas Louise is the one who does great to tidy things up. Then now they've, they've intercepted the ball, so they've did their job really as a three defensive out and out players. But uh, Douglas Louise comes and tidies it up, which is what you want from your Samba centre midfielder. And then when Dia gets it, looks up, switches the play immediately, probably 
underhits it a little bit. He's trying to whip it straight out to the left wing. It comes to Luca Dean. But that gives McGinn a bit of time to go on the overlap then. It probably would have been in Buendia's head to do it the other way around. Like, you know, I'll just play this in front of McGinn and Luca Dean can keep going. But Dean gets it and he plays it to McGinn, who just plays a gorgeous ball into Pillowhead and just like a, a velvet cushion. He doesn't need it this time. It's a brick that he puts onto it and it just fires into the net. He's, he's not going to miss from there. <laughs> yeah, football is a really simple game. I mean, you get the ball, you throw it and swing it. <laughs> it's 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 a really good ball from Modia to play the aggressive pass across the field, and Dean and McGinn go out of their way to get into each other's way, but they work it out. And Luca knows exactly where someone with a sweet left foot wants the ball, and apparently John McGinn knows exactly where someone with a sweet head wants the ball as well. <laughs> really, really good goal again. This is why it's annoying sometimes. Like it's, <laughs> you said it a few weeks ago. You said it, and we started a podcast of you saying, "I know I'm not a fucking idiot." And <laughs> I have to be honest. When I watch goals like this, there's something in what you're saying. You're you're not that big of an idiot. Like it's 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 clear that if these boys pass the ball to each other. They've got a bit of quality, and sometimes it does look easy. Granted, Burnley make it easier than most teams. Norwich, Norwich. I've been getting Jesus. I've been getting leathered for saying Norwich. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't notice you changing to say Norwich, and I thought, but maybe I should, uh, maybe I should get involved in that as well. But um, yeah. oh, I can't. I can't I, teach an old dog new tricks. I walked into a pub and ordered a Smithwicks. You see, and that, that taught me my lesson. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, what am I even talking about now? But yeah, like so when they're when they're passing the ball around, and they are decent players, and they do create openings and look I'm not going to drag this into a negative when they've actually done exactly what we want them to do in one of the games. <laughs> but, uh, but like we do need to talk about one bad thing in the match which was the, the goal at the end now geez, there was a bit of a, a I don't know a, a mad reaction to this because we were so close to a clean sheet which would have been really nice um, Emmy Martinez could have ticked another one of his boxes on, on his locker but and like yeah it is frustrating and it's really naive and um could be so avoidable look largely it was a good game and almost that's a good thing that that happened because now you can still pick someone out like he's still are falling asleep we have to see these matches out but he did it when it was three nil up so we can teach him a lesson in a controlled environment <laughs> in a safe space and uh like this one i said naive like we, we're handing out week's wages here there and everywhere every week but like it's 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 so juvenile that it's nearly just detention. Like these boys, like have they not learned what an offside trap is, what an offside line is? It's Mings and Konza. It, it, I don't know why both of them aren't at the halfway line anyway, because Villa are so high up. The two Burnley players are so deep in Villa's half. And then I don't like you know I'm not blaming one more than the other. Like Mings is looking at Konza pushed up, but Konza obviously isn't looking at Mings either. It's a fucking disaster. And well, I had to keep watching it to see how that ball's gotten through, and it's just unbelievably bad defender from two Burnley lads who were being lazy bastards as well just yeah. hanging around and got a reward yeah it's it's a dreadful ball from McGinn to start it all off as well and he was lining it up for a long time and maybe Cash particularly in the context of being 3-0 up particularly when Cornet is, is cheating like, like you say yeah. he isn't tracking back maybe maybe Cash should see that maybe he should see that McGinn is intent on ending this attack with the next pass and maybe he shouldn't be bursting alone to join in. And he does burst it because McGinn ends up running past him and pats him in the arse in apology. <laughs> Kanza's positioning just isn't good enough. The pass should be less appealing. 
he should Kanza should be able to cover the run towards the goal and he shouldn't be so square to the ball. It's absolutely criminal. He gets done by a step to the wing and a sprint back inside. It's so basic. And I I don't know why he's 10 yards inside his own half and I haven't a clue why Tyrone is 15 yards inside his own half. <laughs> Get in line, lads. And I'll make it easy for you as well. That line should be the fucking halfway line, like you said. Yeah. Tyrone Mings and Esri Kanza have no excuse for being so deep when we have the ball. They're far too impressive physically for that. And Dougie as well. I think that the Premier League's own fucking Howard Hughes here. Just hanging out in the centre circle like he's a recluse. Like he's afraid of catching something. What is he doing there? Making sure he's 10 yards between him and the nearest person. Well, that's definitely being kind to him. Because we know that Dougie has no idea what 10 yards is. Based on his punch on for smashing free kicks into walls. <laughs> We're going to come back to those free kicks and what's happening. <laughs> There is one week's wages to be docked this week, and it's a jump again for a 40-yard shot. We've warned him, and he's done it again, straight into the keeper's hands. At least this one didn't completely balloon over, but he fancied his chances anyway, and he bounced it into his hands, and that's why he's not been paid this week. <laughs> uh, there's a bonus being handed out Oh, for Luca Dina. Because if we are going to fine people for giving away unnecessary corners, I am going to reward people for avoiding the giving away of unnecessary corners. And a deep ball comes in from Burnley as well. So imagine the context. Now, it's Dwight McNeil behind him, but he doesn't know that. He just knows there's a big ball coming in. It's high, it's hanging. There's obviously going to be somebody there because it's Burnley. And he just gets his chest on it and, and bounces it back to Martin. It's like, what, what are you worried about? No corner, no freaking out. Just here you go, Emmy, let's go. Yeah, perfectly calm. Exactly. One of the other reasons we wanted him in there. <laughs> what did you make of his yellow card because you know we've seen a few incidents like this now with Mings I think twice where he's made a tackle and followed through and hit somebody and um, look at Dina has I think it's a, it's a bit different to the Mings ones because McNeil in fairness to him I don't know if this is a, a thing he'll want to put in his own credit bank but he, he, he never wanted to go in for the tackle <laughs> you know, he was just like oh Jesus somebody's sliding as look at Dina was so in a way I feel sympathy for the Villa player as well, because he's expecting a challenge. We're turf more here. Is this not proper football? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. And uh, he slides in. And it's just confusion then, because he gets the ball and he, he follows through. And again, McNeil doesn't deserve a stud on the leg, but he gets it. And I, it was one of those ones. I, it, was, it was definitely different to Mings on Saka and whoever the other one was. And I, I, I sort of think the ref might have got it right, because... In the context then, because McNeil doesn't go in, should Lucadinha be flying in like he is? Yeah, you're saying McNeil didn't deserve a stud in the leg, but he also didn't go in for a tackle, so you deserve what you get in that is. <laughs> a surefire way of getting yourself injured, go in hard and win the ball back. You're playing at fucking Turf Moor, and you're going to let some Frenchman come over here. <laughs> Sean Dice should be turning in his grave if he was dead. Um... Yeah, so let's let's just do a WhatsApp wins. That's basically an old favorite at this stage. If you're coming for the greatest hits, you're in for a real treat. Uh, what's Douglas Louise doing? Hitting free kicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Einstein's definition of insanity springs to mind every time I see Aston Villa with an attack and set priests, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Einstein was also a pantheist. I mean, he could he could see the beauty and all encompassing divinity and all things in the universe. 
he obviously never saw Douglas Louise hit a fucking free kick. Like, there, there is no divine presence, Conan. There is no fucking God. <laughs> Sounds like this should have been a question we can't answer because this is a real. Is there a God? Philosophical question, yeah. Um, and I don't know if we are even ready to to go down there. But I think this is what Douglas Louise hit free kicks has done. This we're talking about an existential debate here right now. Yeah, it's incredible, and the the, the build up to it as well, because the, the camera's there, and you can see him standing over the ball, and you can see all the other fucking brilliant players standing over the ball as well. And there's no doubt in anybody's mind what's happening with this free kick. It's not going anywhere near the fucking goalposts. It's so strange because there's no doubt in anybody's mind watching that Douglas Weiss is the one who should not be hitting it. Like of all the people that that you're talking about there, that's the guy I'm going to pick him with. He's the guy who's most likely to miss and. There has to be like yeah, I get it. Maybe maybe he is scoring and training. Like we go down this route every time as well. Maybe he is maybe he is doing it. But at some point, like it doesn't like what happened to people who are good at training and just shite at football. Like at some point, you're on the big stage, you're playing the match, and if you're not doing it when there's no mannequins in front of you, if you're doing it with actual <laughs> players in front of you, like that 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 shouldn't count. It should count for something to judge you with more than what's happening in training. Yeah, like, and initially, I mean, the start of the season, whenever I saw Douglas Louise standing over the ball, I, I just thought it was the same thing as back in Ireland, whenever jo- John O'Shea was, came up and always whispered into the free kick takers' ears, like, all right, all right, John, go away. And they're having a shot. What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> the, and all what's up, Winge? The six second rule for goalkeepers in possession of the ball is definitely the worst enforced rule in any sport <laughs> and anyway this is a this is a villa wins really because emmy martin is, is, is getting ridiculous and I, i'm starting to get to the stage where i want this guy to get a yellow card before the match just give him the yellow card and then so we don't have to look at this it's funny sometimes it's funny when we're beaten well, we never, we never are beating any good teams. <laughs> it's funny in the last 10 minutes we're trying to see out a match and he gets his yellow card and continues to see it out. But before halftime, so yeah. the rule is the keeper should have the ball in his hands for six seconds and control the ball. And if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't get rid of it, then it's an indirect free kick. He had the ball before halftime for 22 seconds. 22 seconds? That is unbelievable. It's more than three times as much. And he, like, he prob- there's probably another example of more. It's just when I noticed it, then I thought, I'm going to keep count to the next one. And from the moment they saved it to the moment they actually got rid of it, it was 22 seconds. It's it's crazy what's happening. Yeah, and he did it about 22 times as well. And <laughs> like That's the last two games now that the commentators have been talking about us being clever. I mean, I would rather be using that intellect that the commentators think we have because they're looking at Martinez lying on the ground with the ball or Dougie playing a 30-yard pass from midfield back to our centre-halves. I'd rather repurpose that supposed cleverness to develop a style of play that would allow us to see out again progressively, particularly when we're playing against a team that is worse than you. Just beat it, them. Just beat them. And this is especially true when you're 2-0 up and the game is dragging on past the 60th, the 70th minute. Like they're they're gonna be out of shape. Balls around the corners just become balls straight through the pitch. Like the streets have been bulldozed, and you just have to step into that space and trust that your mate, who's a millionaire from kicking a football, can complete a ten-yard pass, and trust that he's seen your bank balance and thinks that you can control the pass as well. Like Burnley were so ragged. We don't need Emmy Martinez lying on the ball. It was fucking pathetic. It was unbelievably irritating. 
<laughs> I only have one more WhatsApp winch. What's the problem with him? <laughs> yeah, it was it was really strange. I, mean, like, I, I, I was re I was really surprised when I saw because whenever I saw the team sheet, I knew exactly what the, the what the lineup was going to be, and I was just uh, like, yeah, why not play Tim? But also, I suppose maybe maybe I'm slipping into complaining about what I wanted him to do two or three games ago. Let's just try a few things, and why not fucking try Chambers defensive midfield? Let's see if he can do it. Yeah, I would have preferred to see Tim continue to play though. Uh, to, to be fair, like we yeah, we've we've thrown an awful lot of suggestions and he's, he's he's picking them up and then when he's picking some of them up, it's like, well what about this one that I did mention for? Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um all right, we'll go to the awards. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal. Which he accepted with one proviso. Oh, no. Let's start with the Tim Sherwood. We played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. We are talking already about Callum Chambers. So what did you think of it? I think I know I'm saying where was Tim, but I thought that Callum did all right. I think he's definitely got a defense first mind on him, which I don't mind. Like this is part of the reason why Nakamba was so good as well. He was went under Gerard. He was so uh, so cautious about what was happening in that direction. That, that should be your first principle really, I suppose, as a defensive midfielder. Um, and the best ones add on everything else but uh, yeah Chambers was definitely doing that and I do feel like Megan and yeah Douglas Louise as well were a bit more liberated because of it oh yeah like that's that's two games of a defensive midfielder now and it's two games of a top class performance from John McGinn I mean, the energy and quality that he was able to exhibit is what we expected might happen whenever he was playing with somebody who could defend Callum Chambers I thought was fine I mean there was one about 15 minutes in where out of nowhere, a counter-attack just fell into Burnley's lap and the crowd roared. But then when the camera panned back, Chambers was there and I was like, yes, that's what he's there for. Yeah. But then McNeil just sprinted away from him. I think Dwight McNeil's not fast. I mean, he was pulling away by a yard for every 10 yards. That that shouldn't be happening. Like, it reminded me of a time I was cycling into the wind along the canal and people were walking past me in the same direction. <laughs> Like that just shouldn't be happening. <laughs> I, I like my defensive midfielders to be a, a bit more athletic than that. And I, I know you do. I mean, you wanted James McLean in there for fuck's sake. <laughs> I was not prepared for that to be thrown back on my face. <laughs> just the, those few seconds, it's like, what? What am I saying? <laughs> what could this be? Oh, that was bad. That was a bad one. Uh, but like, yeah, that that is what he's missing. He's not. He's, he's not. Uh, nimble across the ground, or yeah, as nimble as you, you'd like. Thought he did well as well. I do like that he was, um, yeah, defense focused, good tackler, strong, made fouls at the right time because he knows what center backs want and what they don't want as well, which is always a, a good tool, obviously. But maybe not looking for the ball as much. Um, but I don't, I don't know that matters really then when you're actually playing the ball to each other and then using your number eights and, and letting them go forward a bit more. So um, maybe maybe it works in some level. Like you know, Douglas Weiss is getting the ball an awful lot, and he's just standing between the two centre halves with his with his soles on it. So Chambers not really showing as much. I, I can live with it as long as the ball 
still gets played to developers, gets played up to by Gamey Bundia. <laughs> yeah, and when, you, when you've got a number 10 and two of number 8s with the energy that Will will have in the number 8 positions, it probably is more forgivable. And then whenever there's a bit of space, we know what Callum Chambers can do with the ball at his right foot, Colin. We've seen that plenty of times this season. <laughs> uh, nomination, passing the ball to each other. <laughs> <laughs> You did say it. It's a simple game, and it looked very simple. I have to say, yeah, it did, and it was it was great to watch, and it was just brilliant, brilliant to see it, and it was it was really easy as well. I mean, maybe maybe your hero Michael Jackson isn't the greatest manager of all time, as you boldly <laughs> claimed last week, but <laughs> it 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 was good to see Villa just go out and exploit that and to, to fill in the holes to pick up the spaces. But the was absolutely amazing. I'm sure you'll want to come back to him later. And yeah, it was it was great to be passed the ball to each other. What sort of a fucking conversation is this to have on a fucking football podcast? Wasn't that great that we passed the ball to each other? Christ Almighty, how far have we fallen? I'm going to give you the reason for it before I, I do say I actually think I preferred the James McLean grief than me robbing <laughs> Michael Jackson as the greatest manager of all time. Um, yeah, the the next nomination is more of a, a long term view, but. Oh, like I'm, I'm so fickle, aren't I? Like, but it, it, are things coming together a bit more? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good three games ago. It was actually fucking terrible. Like, and before that, it was bad as well. We weren't playing well, even if we were not losing as much. But um, are you seeing signs that you know, we're, yeah, like we can move forward this way? Yeah, we we can definitely move move forward with this team. I mean. Without straying into the, well, I am just going to stray into the you let Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award. There, there was a moment about half an hour in that really summed up what we were doing wrong from a defensive perspective, where McNeil swung one in and Beghorst won the header. Akonza was yeah. probably doing just about enough by putting a bit of pressure on him, being yeah. physical, making contact. And that's all right because that's about as well as you can do against someone who's seven foot four. <laughs> and Konza knew that you can't foil a big man. But what what you have to do, like how you're supposed to defend against that physical imbalance is get on the cross, make sure the ball coming in has no quality on it. And when McNeil was swinging that in, Dina and Buendia were about 10 yards off him. Yeah, like We, we had Dean and McGinn and Buendia who could all be expected to close down that cross. Like That's the benefit of playing a diamond against a flat four. And particularly when that team's back four really is a back four. It's annoying as the first half wore on, that we weren't as aggressive as we've been in previous games under Jared. That desire to press has been the only thing that's really demarcated the the change in manager, really. I mean, since Jared's taken over, we've played fairly similarly on the ball, but we've been more aggressive in the press. And since Jared's taken over, we've had roughly the same points per game as last season. So it hasn't been a massive improvement since it's coming, if if a really noticeable improvement is all at all. And like we said, the good thing is that we're beating teams we should be beating. The next step is to try and get more points against older teams. Mm. Only other nomination for you, like Glenn Whelan, take a 90th minute penalty award is Dougie back on freeze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We've already talked about that. So we go to the Rosenthal award. Uh, Douglas Louise, um, lovely, lovely ball over the top to look at Dina, who um, he wins a corner, but I thought he could have just played it first time into Watkins. He was inside all day there, like all 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 game. He was inside, and Douglas Louise just floated this this lovely ball 
for his left back to go in behind and he just has to sort of volley that let, let's let it drop onto his left foot but he's taking a, a bad touch and he, he wins the corner in the end in fairness yeah he, like he did well to recover that's about the best thing you can say about that you're right they should yeah. just be smashing that across not even smashing it just caress it across yeah Nick Pope bad clearance Emmy Buendia tries to tries, tries to half volley it on his left he try, it's like a drop kick to his coming out he's coming at him very quickly he's swinging his leg um, but yeah, the net was there. If he had to connect it with it properly, it's gone in. I think he doesn't have to connect it with it properly either. Though I, I think he should take a touch because yeah. Pope is so far to his right as well. Like Pope really cannot afford to miss hit that because he's so far out of his goal and off angle as well. That Pundia probably can afford to take a touch, put a bit of whip on it towards the right wing, and you might you might still have time. Yeah, you mentioned that vague horse header. Um, like that, that was a, it was a, it was an in swinger from McNeil who had all the time in the world and. Just before that, Veghorst should have scored as well on the spin. The ball comes across the box, gets a bit of a deflection, and it's into that second six-yard box that we we just discovered against Burnley. <laughs> and uh, we should have we should have learned more about it actually because Veghorst should score, and he's just he hasn't got his foot around it. He's gone wide, and they were two big chances to be honest, and they were both at one nil down. You know, the game could change then. The crowd get going. They're in a relegation fight. We've seen. What Michael Jackson can do, <laughs> we've seen, we've seen this boy moonwalk. That was awful. Sorry, um, but <laughs> I'm not even going to edit it out. Um, but yeah, like they could get momentum going, on, and more importantly, like we've seen, like we could not come up to that standard then, or that or that level of intensity. Yeah, but but we saw it out in a different way. Then we were able to, apart from Martinez holding the ball, we were able to play a bit of football against them. So that was that was encouraging because that could have been dodgy. I mean, the crowd was starting to starting to rock after those two big chances, but it just we quelled it fairly easily. Yeah, when he got the three 0 up, time for Matt Cash to start annoying his strikers again. <laughs> He's just going to start having shots, just going for that t- near top corner, and uh, you can just see the boys like both wings and Watkins inside, hands out like. What are you doing? Why am I even moving in here? Like, are you even looking? And uh, well, he won a corner as well. In fairness, I don't know. Were, were there any other big chances that I'm missing? Uh, Watkins curler. I mean, it was, it was a lovely move. Yeah, nice but one touch football it doesn't work out. It breaks down. Burnley get bodies back, and Ollie Watkins just says, "Fuck this! I'll open into the top corner." And sometimes <laughs> that's actually what you want to happen. I mean, we can we can reset this. Like we can recycle it all we want, but there's still going to be eight Burnley players in the box if we go out and come back in because. They're not going anywhere. We know that. They're not following anybody out. So you might as well let your best player try something audacious. The cash one. I think you were right, actually. You know, I'm not just having a go at you here. I think you were right when you said he was better than Cafu. And the amazing thing is, <laughs> despite being better than the best right back ever, he still made the correct decision to declare for Poland because he remains England's fourth choice right back. But what a player, what a season. And I thought it was a really good effort. Fuck Watkins inside. Your Matty Cash line up the shite bag, left back, go past him and have a spank. Yeah, no, I I think in fairness it's a it's a good it's a good week for the Rossenthal Award. And not I'm not sitting here pulling my hair out looking at all these chances that we should have scored. I feel like we yeah, we were ruthless. We got the openings and we were clinical, which is actually really nice to see. So in the spirit of a good performance, I'm not going to hand out the Rossenthal Award this week. No, actually, I'm going to give, I'm going to give it to Veghorst. <laughs> Uh, the Peter Enkelman what the fuck award Ezra Konza goes for the double mings (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know what he's doing over in the left as well, by the way. And like, like these two seem to be swapping willy nilly. Like you know, whenever you want, we'll we'll just rotate, but we'll confuse the strikers. Um, so Con Con's over on the sideline and he tries to conceal it from Veghorst, falls over, uh, gets up, manages to get up because thankfully he seems to have fouled Veghorst in the in the process, and he and he recovers. And then just turns into McNeil, who who goes away, just goes straight through. And now Mings is not blameless in his either. So both of these are nominated for a what the fuck award because Tyrone Mings seems to think that we needed two centre halves on the sideline, like on the <laughs> one sideline. Mings thought, "I'll go over here and see what a job Cons is doing with that back that I love, like that I love showing strikers who are now just running into the side and taking the ball off us." <laughs> two of them are watching McNeil just tear into the box. Yeah, like imagine having your pocket picked by McNeil. Like Dwight McNeil running away with a handful of Warbur's originals and old man Kanza just looking confused and beleaguered out in the wing. Like, I said it last week, he's, he's given off the impression to me of someone who wants to appear composed rather than someone who is. And yeah. you know what people who are composed, who are confident do? They make decisions and they typically make the right ones as well because they're internally composed. Like They have clarity. They're not just standing on the ball trying to look that way. And sometimes those decisions will be to hit the ball with a play, play a 40-yard back pass, foul the man. or and Because they also have the confidence to do that as well. They have the confidence to do shit and boring things. And he should have played that back to Martinez twice. He also should have had a centre-half partner inside that he could have given the ball to as well. Mm. But Konza, had, and I, I didn't say this last week, I, I, I think around it, he hasn't been himself under Jared. I think there, there is a psychology issue there when you when you know the manager doesn't fancy you, and I have to assume that's what's going on here because it's been such a big drop-off. Like, we've both been in teams where the manager didn't fancy us, despite how fucking lethal we are. And it can be a vicious cycle. <laughs> it's it's really, really difficult to, to get your head straight again. You're overthinking. You can overthink everything, knowing that no matter what you do, he's not going to like it anyway. This is a waste of time. He's still going to try and sign Joe Gomez. I'll show him what a good centre-half can do. Dwight McNeil's got the ball. You know what I really don't like? I have him going down the vitamin meter and you know how much that takes. Like, you know how much I love Kanza. Um, he needs to stop diving. He needs, he needs to stop diving. Like that's He's just, just throwing himself. Like he, he did it there for the big horse thing. Uh, he did it in the corner when we were in attack. He, he's just doing it too often. He got one and they seem to get ironic cheers from the Burnley fans in, and when he actually got one in defence. But the ref seemed to have his number and just saw that he was falling over to and looking up at him as he's falling over as well. Come on, man! You're a tough, composed centre half. Like, let's just be that guy again. Don't be looking for, don't be looking for any hand me downs from any referee. Just be Konza. You, you <laughs> are the Konza. <laughs> yeah, there's one out in the right wing where he's just fallen. He's fallen so slowly as well, just looking at the the lines. Man, you're centre half. You're not going to get that foul. Yeah, and you're he gets straight back up. And exactly. Like, like I've said before, you know fairly fucking quickly when the ref is going to give the foil because he normally blows his fucking whistle. So when he hasn't, get back up. Don't just lose the ball. Don't just stand there now whinging. You're the centre half on the right wing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real uh, tour of turf more in fairness from, from Hesley. <laughs> um, I still love him. Like, I still absolutely love him. I just want him to be the Kanza. Be the oh, Kanza. Like, when he's covering every blade of grass, got on a dark uh, what what did you think was worse the the double mings from Kanza the the mings overseeing the double mings or um or Kanza and mings combining together for the Burnley goal? 
I, I think the oh well to concede a goal to concede a goal that late in the game when all like we're trying to finish off the season well to be fifteen yards and fifteen yards inside your own half whenever <laughs> we've got the ball. Hey, what was that about against two shit bags as well? Let's be honest, they're not good at football, and then to get caught out by it so easily, one straight ball through the middle. It's probably Kanza doing a double mings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about the Villa dragbacks in this game? Like this was incredible. Like so we'll, we'll we'll jump into the Vimin meter going up. Danny Ings double drive drag back between two men. And then he knocks it around the third. I don't know why the ref takes seven seconds before deciding to give him a free for it. But uh, a <laughs> bit, bit of silk from Danny Ings in a really tight area. John McGinn joined in. Like, he, he loves it. He saw somebody was doing it. Great. Happy days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're doing this, are we? <laughs> yeah. I just saw an interview with McGinn one time saying when they were on the race, they just did it over and over. It was a St. Mirren or somewhere like that. And I was like, yeah, okay. But, like that, That's a tool they have in your locker. You don't have to use it for every single job you're doing around the house now. Like, you know, it's not, it's like a hammer isn't always needed. Like, you know, sometimes a bit of deftness is needed. I can't think of another tool you see in the toolbox. Yeah, like Conan's uh, always said, you don't use a hammer to do the dishes. <laughs> um... Kanza, Kanza tried one to lesser effect. I think that might have been when he dived in. He just gave up on it. He's like, oh shit, I can't do it like these boys. Uh, Buendia did it, obviously. He always does it. And uh, Doggy, you know, he takes it on to the other level and he doesn't need a double drag back. He'll do one, but he'll pass it over his back. I think he got it to Cash. It was lovely. He was in the box and he just saw Cash going off him on the right. Now, the, he loses marks because he, I think he tried it another time as well. Just like he was never going to look at Dina, but this man was trying to thread things out there. He was having fun, and that's why we want him number eight. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's why we were calling for him to be number eight a year and a half ago <laughs> because he'll try that double drag back if he's in the center of defensive midfield position as well. He'll try yeah. it anywhere. Let's get him in the box trying it to our fullbacks. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. Like, we, we did play well, like we said, playing against. Burnley, it was easier, but we were also trying things and trying things appropriately as well and making the game a lot more enjoyable than it otherwise was. Yeah. Going up, John McGinn, um, you already mentioned how, how good he was, how good he has been the last two games. He had a lovely up-and-down ball to Danny Ings. Like, mm-hmm. It's still something that I've never been able to understand how it works you know those balls that people play with such little space like it's it's so easy for it just to be overhit like how, how did he get it up and down so well and and Ings volleys it across well and that's going straight to Watkins of an open net but it's it's blocked for a corner um but it's just yeah. it's, it starts with McGinn just finding Ings in behind yeah it's, a, it's an absolutely incredible pass that he does pull out of his locker a lot Tiago had one against Spurs as well it's just absolutely delicious their foot is only moving forward. They don't pull their foot back as they're going to yeah. kick the ball. It's, ah, it's incredible. And to put that much precision and spin and dip on it, ah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous skill that we'll never, ever have. <laughs> going up, Chuck Wemmicka. Um, <laughs> you're not going to like the reason I have for it here, so we'll skip by that one. It's 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 shorts not fitting him. <laughs> <laughs> It's looking like an old school player, and he was all action in his performance, which you can talk about some more after. <laughs> but like he was, he was at the start. I was like, I oh, can't down a bit here. Like he's trying to make too much of an impression, almost like when you're playing that uh, pro career on FIFA, and you're just trying to get your own stats up when you're controlling one player. And I was like, you're out of position all the time. You're running mad. But you know what? He had an impact on the match. He uh, he looked good in the ball. He looked faster. He looked faster. Maybe he's just growing up. He's only eighteen. Um. 
yeah, I thought he was good. And good to see him getting way more minutes. And good to see him tweeting ahead of uh, the next couple of games as well. Now, oh, here we go again. Like me overanalyzing something. Like he, he, put, he puts a one emoji and now I'm trying to read into what he's, what he's doing. Aston Villa tweet out saying a couple of big games coming up. Chuck Wemmicka quote tweets it with the prayer emoji. And I'm like, is that a dig at Jared? Is that like, yeah, please, will he give me more minutes again? <laughs> Or is it just him looking forward to a couple of games or that he's back involved? Or he's just praying to God because we're playing the best team in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He was brilliant. He was all action. It's great as well to see him come on in that position because that's a position where he, he, he could have he could have a future in the team because, you know, Buendia has been probably our best outfield player in attack this year. So maybe Chuck Wamaka has to find somewhere else where he can actually get some minutes. And those players in the number eight positions will have to be rotated a lot more because of the energy they're going to have to expend, particularly if Callum Chambers is going to be plonked in behind them or yeah. someone of that ilk, you know, they'll be having to do a lot more running and that'll be fine. That'll be absolutely fine for him based on yesterday's performance. Yeah, yeah. Going up, I just had the the 10 minutes after the third goal. We've seen Villa when they've got games in the bye that they just completely uh, suck the life out of it. But it was fun. They're passing the ball and created a few more chances. It was... Uh, one of the most enjoyable 10-minute spells of the season, I think. Um, and I also have, and one of the, the main reasons for that, I think, was Buendia. And I have, obviously, he's going up. But I have Ashley Young going up for the hug to Buendia when he was coming off. And, of course, he comes off in the 79th minute because that's when he haunt him for the rest of his life. But, <laughs> but uh, Coutinho came on, so I'm not complaining. But uh, Ashley Young just came over and gave him a big hug and Buendia enjoyed it. Yeah, like, Buendia has been absolutely incredible. He's brilliant. And just what a response he's had to being dropped. I mean to go yeah. to go from being our second best performer for a few weeks, probably just behind Coutinho, to to getting splinters in his arse. I mean, it's to consistently come on and be the best player after that as well, and never get rewarded the next day out. To keep coming back from that, to keep watching Leon Bailey stink the place out, watch and <laughs> smell Leon Bailey stink the place out, and to not just not not complain visibly anyway and just keep coming on and doing all he can do to get himself back in the team which is play brilliantly which is what he's been doing yeah and uh, I I had Mings going up I, I don't know if I want to put him up anymore after the goal was conceded but it was just beforehand I don't know if you remember he played the ball out to Coutinho who just seemed to be on the deck <laughs> he slipped slipped on his arse oh, it wasn't Mings' fault he's just rolling out to a free player who <laughs> fell on the ground and uh, Mings just Jesus the speed of that man and maybe it's it's down to the two Burnley strikers that you're talking about but he just galloped through busted him like just a recovery tackle got back up give a thumbs up to continue don't worry about it like you know yeah. and it was like that's that's incredible yeah it is incredible and that's why he shouldn't be 15 yards inside his own half whenever we got the fucking ball <laughs> going down Tyrone Mings <laughs> uh, anybody else you want to mention no, I, I think I think you've covered it all there. It was, a, it was a really good day. Really fucked up at the end for one moment of madness in the team, but other than that, we played really well. It was brilliant. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Um, I think Lewis Newman might like a, might have a few people picked up on this, to be honest. Um, but his question is probably one that we should ask: Is <laughs> how is how is Orian Nyland still a professional goalkeeper? <laughs> yeah, I thought every goalkeeper has 
<laughs> has learned from this from from years ago. Did Robbie Keane do it to somebody ages ago? And it was bad then, but it's like you know maybe we need a case study every once in a while just to show people what not to do. And Jesus, Nyland just throws up. Just doesn't even look around. He's playing for Reading. I can't believe that. And <laughs> they're playing Luton Town, and maybe he's just caught up in the in the Luton fairy tale. And it does like I can't believe that he wouldn't even have a look. But like it, it was obvious. He's caught the ball. There's so many. He caught the ball. And there's so many people. <laughs> So many people around him, he just throws the ball down, and the striker cannot believe he's looking, just runs in and takes it off and scores. Yeah, and like, and the weirdest thing about this, the surprising thing isn't his mistake, it's the fact that other people have allowed him to have a career. He, <laughs> he should never have worked after a spell at Villa. I mean, I don't care, I don't care what you think about you know the different levels in football. No goalkeeping coach should have been watching his games for Aston Villa and thought. Yeah, we'll take him here. He'll be fine down at this level. It's not. It's this. Like it's the same thing. Goalkeepers are either good or they're shit. And Nyland's the worst goalkeeper Aston Villa have ever ever had. And when I say the surprising thing isn't his mistake, his mistake I'm referring to isn't him not looking behind him before dropping the ball. It's his career choice. It's his decision to become a <laughs> professional footballer. Like, Nyland should be working on a beach selling ninety nines to Loris Carius. <laughs> Yeah, and he doesn't seem to react either when the striker takes the ball off him. He seems to just get completely dazed when this stuff happens to him. Yeah, well, like whenever I saw the, the the still from the the tweet that was put out by Sky, the the guy is in front of Nyland and Nyland still hasn't <laughs> reacted. He's to his right, but he's still in front of him. I think it's unbelievable. Like Mickey would have knocked his fucking block off in Rocky too. It's a cr- <laughs> how how can a goalkeeper not have peripheral vision? How can he not understand these surroundings? It's baffling stuff. Yeah, I I I don't really watch Family Guy, but there was a reference one time. I don't know why it's in my head now. Well, I do know why it's because of Orion Island, but it was like a, it's like that you know when you know all their jokes. It's like that reminds me of the time. It's like a bird who's afraid to fly. And then it just shows you a bird flying, shitting himself as he's flying. And it's like, this is Nyland's career as a goalkeeper. <laughs> Standing there with his gloves and goalkeeper jersey on for 90 minutes going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> just sell the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's harsh. It sounds horrible. And I would have sympathy for him. But for the fact that he played for Aston Villa and he almost ruined my life. So I'll, I'll never have sympathy for him ever, no matter what happens in his life. I'll always... Yeah. Only other question we can't answer, but probably will. Um, and you know what? Actually, we say we can't answer, but I'm going to say we can answer this one because the question is: Is Oliver Holt talking shit? <laughs> You're going to have to be a lot more specific than that. <laughs> I think it's a very emphatic yes. Football journalist Oliver Holt has spotted something that the rest of us haven't. He uh he watched that Spurs and Liverpool game, but he watched it with a different a different uh mindset than you. Like he's a he's a better way of seeing the game than 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 any of you could understand. And he came out and uh he said Spurs are brilliant to watch today. Still don't think we appreciate Kane as much as we should. <laughs> you think that's bad enough. Maybe it's because he doesn't quite fit the English idea of a centre forward, even though he's so clever and so elusive. The same goes for Son together, they're a dream. See People might not realise this, but, but <laughs> Harry Kane, like, he doesn't just score a shitload of goals. 
He's not just a battering run. Like, it's, it's like, when, when was the last English centre forward like that? And uh, But so what Oliver Holt has spotted here is that Kane sometimes gets the ball and he can turn around and, and play with Kulosevsky and so on as well. So like what I'm saying is like this is a guy who can see things that we're not seeing and like I, I for one, I'm impressed. Yeah, I mean... Harry Kane is one of the best players in the world, but the English media have still somehow managed the trick of making him also one of the most <laughs> overrated players in the world. It's absolutely incredible. And the, so condes- the condescension, you're absolutely right. Like, I know you think Kane is good and all, but you don't realise how good he is. Not in the way I do. And what's he? So elusive. What are you talking about? There he is there. Is lad rolling around holding his ankle on the halfway line because someone clipped his fucking shoelaces? And Spurs were brilliant. Brilliant to watch. I mean, my God! Like what? What? Whatever about thinking they were brilliantly disciplined to get a draw, but brilliant to watch. Like if he took a piss during that game, he would have missed fifty percent of the time they were on the ball. <laughs> Depending on who it's against, I get a bit of crack on watching a team dog out a result against a team that's better than them. But I would never claim watching a team shuffle back into position, plugging gaps, fouling forty yards out. Playing a seven-two-one formation was brilliant to watch. Yeah. That's taking it to another fucking level. And the other thing is, Spurs as players are too good for that. Like they're not as good. They're not as good as Liverpool are, but they're too good to be holding on. They're too good for holding on to be admirable. Like yeah. and he he talks about it in the same tweet as well. Like he just says it there. Son and Kane are a dream. Like and he's right. They're two of the best forwards in the world. He knows their players are good. So how can he think that performance was good? It's unbelievable. It, it is it's it's of course Son and Kane are going to do good things but like yeah why would you not let them do more good things more often like yeah, Spurs I know they're playing Liverpool as well but oh, yeah, so and, 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 and so do I like, I know they're playing Liverpool as well I know you have to be more dogged but you can also try to do things whenever you've got the ball and then just be more disciplined and make sure you're getting back into position you don't have to set up in a 7-2-1 formation if Villa did this when Villa do this tomorrow night I'm going to be fucking annoyed <laughs> But Villa don't have Spurs as players. Beautifully constructed goal by Spurs. The touch and the technique of Kane. <laughs> the run of Sessignon and the position of Son. Such a brilliant side on the counter. Son and Kane are mesmerising. He's very, very cleverly just left out the start of that move. He's just jumped to Kane's brilliant touch. The touch is brilliant because the pass is absolutely fucking woeful. The, the pass was terrible. The pass was... I've never seen... Like, that was not a counter-attack. It was a big up and under. And I could give everybody miss, a chance to get back. A miss-hit up and under as well was. <laughs> but, um, but, no, but this is interesting anyway. Like, so, uh, yeah, I must keep an eye on Hurricane and see... Uh, <laughs> see this this element of his game that I haven't spotted but um yeah that's it we've got another podcast tomorrow so uh, we'll not burn ourselves out um talking about Burnley <laughs> for God's sake Sean Dice leaving really really was a sucker point before we even got to play them but sure maybe that maybe that's good that we didn't have to watch it after all right well exactly yeah and we wouldn't have had your beautiful moonwalking <laughs> anyway uh Liverpool next we'll see you then all the best Get on. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 